0: Bring in show music,
1: please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer, today on Squawk Pod. An AI alarm bell? This technology can steal your passwords, and it's nearly 100% accurate. We track down the researcher behind these results, Joshua Harrison.
2: Looking at this problem is more a case of, OK, do we think this is possible? If it is, then we need to kind of promote a conversation around this.
1: And we're going inside the C-suite. CEO whisperer Rich Lesser of BCG reveals what your boss is worried about.
2: We just
0: finished another survey of CEOs. 80% had a positive outlook for their business in the near and mid-term. So I do think that optimism is there.
1: Plus, an activist is blooming its holdings in the blooming onion. And confusing market jitters. I
3: was also trying to figure out why people are so miserable about the economy.
1: The world over.
3: Nothing makes sense.
1: It's Friday, August 18th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box
4: here on CNBC, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee, along with Joe Kernan. Becky and Andrew are off on this Friday.
3: And it's a Friday. You it made it, you came back. It's nice. If it was not, if it was a Thursday and you had two days to go, would you have come back?
4: I would come back if they tell me to come back.
3: Oh, you you would. But would you? Oh, yeah. be- but would you be really happy? I mean, it, I'm we're, always we're, happy to be here, Joseph. Then we're happy to have always. you here. Because we, we, people have things. It's summer and people Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, I mean, yeah. I,
4: if they asked me next week, I would say no, I'm on vacation, so.
3: Yeah, that would be. Uh, Absolutely. That, I mean, even be to a big spend ask. time
4: with you, I would say, I
3: would it, uh, turn uh, There turn you turn go that again. That, and I'm I'm, you know what? I take everything you say seriously because it just makes me, right? I believe you. Yeah. And it's not necessarily sarcasm. It's not necessarily sarcasm.
4: No, Not
3: necessarily.
1: First up today on the podcast, the messy markets. Global markets are on pace this Friday for the worst week since March, when we had a mini banking crisis, remember? This is an August sell-off that doesn't seem to meet typical expectations. As we talk about every day on Squawk Box, we have all the signs of a healthy economy. Low unemployment, expectations for strong growth in the gross domestic product this quarter, consumers shopping away. By most accounts, it looks like we've put the bad old days of the global pandemic behind us. We're back, baby! Yet, Inflation stubbornly continues to persist, no longer at the June 2022 peak of 9%, but prices remain elevated, leaving the Federal Reserve in their own higher for longer place. In a series of rate hikes over the last year, the Fed has brought its key borrowing level, known as the federal funds rate, to a range targeted between 525 quarter and 5%. That is the highest level in more than 22 years. So it costs more to borrow. And this consistent hike-not-cut strategy has sent the yields on long-term government debt surging. Investors are betting that the Fed will keep interest rates high will keep on hiking so inflation doesn't do a reverse on its decline. A key bond to watch is the 10-year Treasury bill, which is yielding at greater than 4.2%. It is a 15-year high. What happened 15 years ago? The collapse of Lehman Brothers, a financial crisis, and the start of a very long stretch of ultra-low bond yields. This current rise in yields makes everybody nervous because what could come next? This
3: remains to be seen what happens. Does it indicate higher for longer? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that, that's what some people are saying, because no one's talking about more than 25 or 50 more hikes by the Fed yet. Right. But I'm not convinced. Now i you know, I was thinking they, they should have been done. Now I don't know. I have recent data points with the economy and the amount of money going into the system still for years to come. Uh, in with the ira and the infrastructure maybe it's good maybe it's bad but it's going to be coming that's going to be a lot of demand H- how much inflation do higher mortgage rates uh engender uh, it seems like it cools things but then again it does make it, things cost more when when you buy a house right
4: that's true but then people just don't buy a house
3: and that's how,
4: how things slow 20 year highs right the i mean the issue is that a lot of people they're locked in, right? We have that locked in problem because a lot of debt is fixed and they're not moving. So how does 7.2% on the 30-year, how does that actually translate? I mean, it affects the new buyers right now, but for a lot of people who are in their homes, they're not feeling that higher interest rate.
3: I was also trying to figure out why people are so miserable about the economy. And, and the, the recent polls all show that. People are miserable. They think it's really... Because how
4: much are you paying for, well, that, 12 eggs? How much are you paying for a pack of That's what beef? we talked about How before the show. How much are you the paying show? for a so bag of Doritos? If
3: inflation rises sharply for a couple of years, like eggs, just as an example, then it starts rising less slowly. The, the rises of the, the two years are still, <laughs> are they still there? Right, right, you're still paying more. You're still paying more, <laughs> but just less more as it's right. still going. And then I looked at gas prices again, which are back to uh-huh. a, 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 an average of, I think, 380 or so. And we hear a lot of bragging from the Biden administration back guess It was 239 when he came in off. So that I quickly did the math 60% higher.
4: Still higher, yeah. On,
3: on gas yeah. prices.
4: And then the IRA is largely viewed as actually inflationary, despite the, the trillion, title yeah, of the- 1.2 trillion,
3: for uh, for renewable. Maybe it'll work though. Stocks tumbled in Asia overnight, and battled property giant Evergrande filed for uh, Chapter 15 protection in U.S. court late yesterday, as it pursues a debt restructuring plan. And Chinese markets have been pulling back amid contagion fears uh, from China's struggling real estate sector. It's weird. What are we supposed to hope for here? That I mean, China could help us tame inflation here and 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 with lower demand. Because your economy that could stinks. be good. Yeah. Yeah. But don't we want with? We're still global we're still pursuing a global trade agenda don't we want the chinese consumer to buy all of our stuff
4: why well, i just don't understand how we can just say oh well the decline in the chinese economy is going to be good for us because it's deflation at some but point it's not good for us for
3: global growth no. because
4: when the chinese economy was roaring that helped us so why is the opposite not true on the downside
3: if you like had been used to watching the Today Show, which is a, a great thing to watch, and suddenly you tuned in and saw how everything, the logic of a lot of the things we talk about, you'd be like, I'm going back to the
4: Today Show, I think. When you, Why, because it's just so dismal?
3: No, nope, because nothing, everything it, it, that you think would happen would be a positive. You have to look at, like, oh, the second derivative, and right. all, all of a sudden it's actually not a positive. Uh-oh, we had a great jobs number. Oh, oh no. no, market's yeah, exactly. going to go down. Too many people are right, worried. Right. Nothing makes sense. Uh, in the economic world. And it is a dismal science. Activist Starboard Value has built a stake of more than 5% in Outback Steakhouse uh, owner, Bloomin' Brands, that's according to a Wall Street Journal report, said it wasn't clear what change Starboard might be pushing for. The stake uh, makes Starboard one of the restaurant chain's top five shareholders. In addition to Outback, Bloomin' Brands also owns uh, Caraba's Italian Grill, Bonefish Grill, uh, and Fleming's Prime Steakhouse and Wine Bar and Starboard successfully pushed for broad changes at Olive Garden Parrot and Darden back in 2014. Shares are up more than 200% since that proxy win gave Starboard full, full control uh, of Darden's board. I like, uh, I've been to an Outback recently, when we travel. Recently. When we travel, yeah, within the last uh, couple of months. Did you
4: have the onion?
3: No, I did not. That seems too uh, decadent. Yeah, kind of. Have you seen them? There's a lot of.
4: Oh yeah, I mean it's like dipped in batter then deep fried. Yeah, and they they slice the onion so it's maximum coverage. Right. Onion per batter ratio is like one to so one or maybe the, it exceeds more batter. The than The onion, onion is probably. really just a
3: delivery system for, for the, the fried for the, for batter. For
4: the batter and salt.
3: Do you know? Uh, you know the calorie count on it? I have no idea. I could give you a, a guess.
4: For what, what's one serving though? A whole onion? No, can't be.
3: They bring it and you, you share it, maybe, but it's probably fourteen hundred, I would say, at minimum. Le- I would say at least maybe two thousand. Yeah.
4: We should look that up.
3: What's the more. daily? Isn't the daily that's
4: <laughs> Two thousand. You can have one onion. <laughs>
3: you, you wonder why we have a problem, right? With um, what's the latest? Uh, trying to say, what, people in large bodies is what you're. That's the individual in large bodies is how you. The, Politically correct way to say that now. Used to be full figured, people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't use the F word. Don't use any F word. But now it's, uh, how about Trump giving Christie grief about being fat? How about that? You believe I, that? I, I'm not. Does that I'm, seem, I, does that I, seem this smart? It's a that is conversation. No, no, does that seem smart? To... No. Glass house. Watch, watch out. <laughs> Cheese will be next. Oh, and 1950 calories in the blooming Onion. So you got... It's just one day of but calories. But the other 50 splurge on something else. So you can have a piece of gum <laughs> after you've <laughs> hit to get to 2000.
1: Coming up on Squawk Pod, what's on the minds of CEOs? The man who's got their ears and their survey responses, Rich Lesser, global chair of Boston Consulting Group.
0: If you go back a year, you've described it as a world of enormous uncertainty and moderate change. And I think a year later, we have moderate uncertainty and enormous change happening. And we've just watched this shift.
1: Interest rates, recession, even climate change, right after this.
0: What's on the
5: horizon for financial markets? CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday and close every weekday. Markets, money and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to Squawk Pod.
0: Stand by Joe, his mic cue
3: good morning and welcome back to squawk box here on cnbc live from the nasdaq market site uh, in times square i'm joe kernan along with melissa lee becky uh and andrew are off you would like to hear friday i'm in love if we could still play it we can't play it. we're not allowed to play Should, that
4: why are not we allowed to play it for legal reasons
3: i think so animal we can, orchestra we could probably get animal, a
4: knockoff version like an elevate like a music we could, we we could of, sing it i don't sing all right our next guest regularly advises CEOs, board directors, and industry leaders around the world. As such, he brings a wealth of business insight to the table and everything from the economy to AI. He joins us now here at the Nasdaq Market Site. Rich Lesser is a global chair of Boston Consulting Group. Rich, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us here.
0: Good morning, Melissa.
4: Um, what's the general take of, of CEOs? Are they being cautious going into the economy? I mean, from the company conference calls that we've heard, it sounds like they're cautiously optimistic. Things are great right now, but they're just sort of not certain about the future.
0: So so first of all i think the optimism is what we're seeing too we just finished another survey of ceos eighty percent had a positive outlook for their business in the near and midterm so i do think that optimism is there i think the second thing is we're watching a shift right now if you go back a year you've described it as a world of enormous uncertainty and moderate change and i think a year later we have moderate uncertainty and enormous change happening and we've just watched this shift the huge concerns about massive inflation or massive recession Um, or the massive uncertainty around the war in Russia. It's not that we don't have uncertainty. I mean, you talk about it all the time. We do. But that's come to more moderate levels. And at the exact same time, the amount of change in the economy, the amount of change in AI and what that's doing and how business leaders are thinking about it, what's happening in climate. Now we're a year into the climate bill and the amount of investments that are occurring there. And I think a sense that this idea of consumers having... um, Huge amounts of uh, cash that the government helped support a few years ago, and a willingness to pay much higher prices is dissipating. So right now, you earn it, you earn the growth. You earn it through innovation. You earn it through better value delivery to customers. You're not just going to be able to have the pricing freedom. And we saw that even in some of the recent reports from this last week. Right. So that combination of a pressure on innovation, underlying technology change, massive investment in the economy, I think that change is really seeping in deeply amidst the backdrop of all the uncertainty people right. have been dealing with.
4: One part of the uncertainty is how far the Fed goes and how far the Fed goes in terms of tamping down the strength in the labor market, whether right. or not we need to tamp that down in order to bring inflation under control. What are you seeing in terms of CEO's mentality towards hiring? Do you th- Are they are they still looking to cost cut and looking for potential efficiencies there, or are they looking to build their workforce?
0: So, so first, there is a focus on resilience and productivity right now, partly because the pricing power that companies had through uh, the whole COVID crisis, I think is much less now. So you need to drive performance through productivity. On the flip side, we never saw the, the layoffs, the preemptive layoffs in the face of headlines around inflation and recession. I mean, in the tech sector where there was huge overhiring, yes, but in general, no. And I think most companies are recognizing that in a world of rapid change, your workforce is your key asset, and upskilling them is huge. And h- firing today with the belief that well, you'll just hire people tomorrow is not the way you build the sort of capabilities in the organization that they're going to need. So I don't see that, I don't hear much talk at all about big layoffs or things that, in the face of so many negative headlines, you would think you might hear much more of.
3: Ritz, the journal had a piece earlier this week, and it's it's the Wall Street Journal. Obviously, they like the, the the private sector, but a lot of spending is being directed by the U.S. government into favored industries. Think that they think that we need to do. Uh, it doesn't have a great history uh, in the past, and the private sector guys that have money on the line sometimes um, might not do. The same thing that a industrial
0: policy would mandate right. that you do you have any worries about that? You always have worries when the government's being too directive. But what I would say about this one is a lot of if I take the IRA uh, and what's happening in climate and the two hundred projects that are one point
3: two in. trillion dollars on something that may or may well, not no, pay it off. It was
0: originally four hundred billion, yeah, and now, now 1. no one knows. No well, one knows. That, that was but one point th- th- two. Was I've the, seen eight hundred to 1.2. So you think it's a good idea? On on. We need to massively for global competitiveness as well as for uh, protecting the climate. We'll need massive investment in there. And I think what the U.S. is doing, and I hear it all around the world, it's become a race to the top. In That's 1.2 the trillion world.
3: rich. It won't be spent on fossil. fuels. We don't
0: know if it'll be 1.2 trillion. OK, but wait, it'll whatever be, it
3: is, it's whatever. not going to be spent on fossil fuels and we're going to need fossil fuels for another 25 years.
0: But I don't think I mean, I don't think that the debate is whether we're going to need fossil fuels for a while. Money I mean, that won't be spent developing those. There'll be a lot, there's a lot of capital going into fossil fuels still. Some would argue too much, but no one's, no one has seen a dramatic scale back that we're not putting money into fossil fuels. What we're doing is building a 21st century decarbonized infrastructure, not at the pace that we need to, but at the pace that the world's gonna need. I mean, we see what's going on. The thing that I think people sometimes forget is that the trajectory we're on with carbon and GHG in the atmosphere is twice as bad as what we've experienced this summer. And I think sometimes people lose track of they think, oh, this is really so bad. what we've
3: experienced in in the United States with and we're measuring these temperature increases in hundreds of a degree Celsius. So what we're experiencing locally in your when you look out the window, you think that's indicative of some larger uh, trend on a four billion year old planet.
0: Oh, yeah. Carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. If you look at it for the last 800,000 years, I no, can't go it's back. Point billions. It's zero four percent. It's gone from 250. 215- no, it's point zero four. It's gone from
3: 0028 percent to 004 percent, and it's been at levels hundred times four. that in
0: the past. And we're going to continue to see rises. Ever that's going to be two point four degrees. Is the base well, plane. That's a, that in the models, it. which the models in are. In the models, or, well, we're 1.2 plus right now. Right, and it's the, the warmest. And years. it's the year, warmest year just, that we've measured. Since 1979. That's when we started having the ability and, and to the measure. And the ability to years. go back in history. There's no evidence there's been a warmer year over a century. I agree with you, the precise a century? measurements. A precise measurements.
3: <laughs> for, we, we're, we're in, a, a, we're in a, a 4 billion year old planet. It's four billion. I
0: totally we've been agree. through
3: warming. What, what caused it's, all the cycles in the past, the much larger
0: del- deltas? But than not in, the past. in this time frame, but not in this time frame. And frankly, we weren't trying to support eight billion people on this planet and have food and agriculture that works That's, and have we're, people we're, live. We've in got more ways. the greening
3: of the, the greening of the earth is pro- providing more
0: agriculture. than we Do you think had most people this. would look, Joe, do you think most people would look at the current trajectory and you tell them it's going to be twice as hot twice as hot i, I wouldn't the believe South, that it's going to be India. twice as
3: hot it's that the, the there's not, you that is not in the cards
0: necessarily empirically well it is empirically no it is empirically because all the models say that we're going to have twice as much could g h g increases okay and I, well, I, well, can I, hope can we're I, right, can I just, just right, insert
4: ahead. my, because I mean, I, I don't know, I don't think that you had expected to have this conversation.
0: Not at all. Uh, yeah,
4: <laughs> but, but, but I mean, Joe, to this, to this point, do you have this kind of conversation with CEOs? Are there, are there doubts about getting 100% on board at all behind sure. these efforts, especially in an environment where there is such uncertainty and, and CEOs might have to rationalize spending?
0: I think CEOs first are recognizing they're going to need to invest. And they're going to need to invest in multiple ways. AI is top of mind for most CEOs right now, particularly in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And how to balance and pull together generative and predictive AI in a responsible framework, that's a huge opportunity space. And it's an opportunity space to get more productive but also to build competitive advantage. In the industrial sector, I think most CEOs are recognizing that the tailwinds in the global economy with trillions of dollars year after year going into decarbonized solutions, if you want to win as a business, forget even the planet, if you want to win as a business, you're going to do it by getting ahead on climate uh, friendly uh, products and services. And I think they see it. And then the question is how you talk about it, because there's a lot of pressure to Frame it in the context of it's building your business. You, you think India and chi- chi- do
3: you think India and China share your zeal for, de- as you call it, decarbon? Even though it's CO2, I guess when you call it carbon, it sounds dirt- dirtier, like sootier, like black carbon and stuff. Well, carbon it's CO2 dioxide. and
0: methane. Methane, as a tree, is a methane huge contributor too. to Right, but, so but carbon dioxide
3: are. is a clear, odorless, colorless you know, gas in trace amounts. Right, in, in right that
0: absorbs sunlight. That absorbs so, sunlight. So
3: it's like, but yeah, so, does, so, so does water vapor and clouds, 99% of it. These are trace levels of CO2. And and when you go from 0.028 to to 0.04, that's one additional CO2 molecule per 10,000 parts of the atmosphere. That's what the industrial age has done. And a volcano recently, I don't know what that does, but human human contributions to to CO2 are are tiny as well compared to natural, right? And and China and India aren't doing, they're building coal plants hand over fist laughing at
0: us. Joe, Joe, I would love to debate the science of this with you. I, I, I think the I key think point the key point of what CEOs are dealing with right now is that you've got this enormous opportunity steering them with technology. We focus on AI, but quantum is not so far behind material science. You have a massive amount of government investment around the world going into decarbonize the planet and businesses are realizing that's how they'll build competitive advantage in the future. And I think if you put those two together, combined with an economy that isn't easy, but right. isn't nearly as bad, either an in inflation or recession as people predicted, I think we're going to see a more confident outlook to how do you invest to how do you build advantage in the future. And I, and I think that is increasingly the mood among CEOs, despite the continued sure. pressure of interest rates and other challenges. Thank you, Rich. It's a pleasure, Melissa, and Joe, it's wonderful to see both of you, Good to see you, Rich.
1: Up next on Squawk Pod, AI can steal your passwords. We track down the researcher that studied how AI does it and how we keep ourselves safe, Joshua Harrison.
2: Only the people who are looking at this from a purely academic angle are gonna be the ones who can actually kind of bring this to the forefront of people's attention.
1: Mind your keystrokes. We'll be right back.
5: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday, and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Katie Kramer. An intriguing headline caught our attention this week. AI can now steal your passwords with almost 100% accuracy. AI listening to you as you type and reaching right into your innermost thoughts, memories, and most reused password conventions to hack your personal data. What? People reuse passwords? Is anyone safe? Well, the fear that this struck in the Squawkbox Box staff was so great that we tracked down one of the researchers of an academic study in how to steal your password.
3: Researchers at Durham University trained an AI model to crack passwords by listening to keystrokes. Using a simple off-the-shelf shelf laptop and a smartphone, the team created a program, an AI program, that was 95% accurate at recognizing passwords Joshua Harrison is a software development engineer and a lead researcher uh, on the study and joins uh, us now to explain what this means for the future uh, of cybersecurity. It's kind of a uh, diabolical, e- even to test for it was kind of diabolical. So the iPhone microphone was used to listen to laptop keystrokes and AI can figure out what, what people were putting in as passwords. So you had to, I mean, are, are criminals as diabolical to figure this out, Joshua?
2: Well, I think that's a, an interesting take to have on it. I would say that, first off, in terms of the ability to recognize passwords, uh, our model itself predicted, well, recognized the actual keys themselves with 95% accuracy. So if you apply that 95% accuracy to something like a password, the accuracy would go down kind of with that small bit of area error getting bigger each time. So For something like a a password, it's probably not 95% accurate, uh, but we did achieve 95% accuracy on recognizing individual keys just from the sounds uh, that they produced. And in terms of uh, testing for something like this to see if something like this is possible, I think an important angle to to look at this from is that if people with bad intentions discover that something like this is possible, discover that they they can implement this in the real world, it's in their best interest that no one else on earth knows about it other than the people with those bad intentions, right? And so in any other field of research, you can pretty much guarantee that if someone discovers they can do something big, they will publish it because people like publishing. They want the information out there and it gets them attention and funding and things like that. But if people with bad intentions in cybersecurity get access to something like this, they they desperately don't want people to know that this might be possible. And so coming at it as a, as a researcher, so when I was doing my master's at Durham, looking at this problem is more a case of, okay, do we think this is possible? If it is, then we need to kind of promote a conversation around this because essentially only the people who are looking at this from a purely academic angle are going to be the ones who can actually kind of bring this to the forefront of people's attention.
4: Joshua, can you sort of walk through exactly what this entails you know, using the, the microphone on a smartphone? Does the smartphone belong to the bad actor or does the smartphone belong to the person whose password is being hacked and is somehow hijacked? Um, and is this all via Zoom? Can this be done in person? I mean, what are sort of the limitations here?
2: Sure. So the, the two pieces of data that we looked at uh, in the published study are keystroke sounds coming from a laptop with a phone placed next to it. And in this case, we're just recording the sounds on the phone itself. So we've not done anything to get into the phone. And yeah, as you put it, it it, it would in this case be the malactors uh, property. So uh, think of someone sat next to you at a coffee shop, someone sat next to you a library, something like that, uh, with a phone just discreetly on the table next to them. It's not a very suspicious thing to do especially that you can keep recording by locking the screen as well. Um, And so that was one data set, so recorded on a phone. And then the other one was recorded via Zoom call. So just the built-in record function uh, on a Zoom meeting, and then typing kind of recorded through that. And so yeah, the, the two vectors of attack that we were looking at in this study are trying to classify keys from the sounds recorded on a phone next to the target's laptop, as well as the inbuilt record function uh, within like a, a video conferencing software.
3: No, Joshua, is there a, a simple fix to this? I got this padded keyboard. My, I don't make any sounds when I'm, when I'm uh, typing. Won't that work? Can't I thwart these mal-actors just by, or get, if I get a really tight, high and tight mani petty where I have no, uh, <laughs> if I have no fingernails at all
2: clicking? Joshua? Sure, uh, well, I would say but we don't know for certain what makes the keys sound different. Uh, so this was an AI model that we used, I a deep see. learning model. So, it's not so the really clicking. It's,
3: it's the time between clicks that could indicate locations
2: no, on the keyboard. Um, so, yeah, we, we have wow. a good idea based on some previous work uh, and some of our results <laughs> yeah. that positional location on the keyboard is probably the main indicator of the different sounds so if you think of a drum if you hit different parts of a drum it makes different noises right near the edge near the middle and so when you have this like metal plate with a plastic plate on top and these four like legs underneath connected to the desk where you hit makes a a different noise which might not sound different to you but it's not actually anything to do with the fingers touching them or the the, the fingernails pressing the keys um, but in I terms teach- of, of, of thwarting this, sorry, just to go back to your original yeah. question. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of different ways you can do that. The, the easiest one are things like fingerprints to put in passwords or facial recognition where you're not even typing anything, right? Um, but that doesn't remove that obstacle of, well, what if someone's not looking for your password? What if someone's looking for documents that you're typing, like, say, at the library in the coffee shop, things like, or emails? Um, so passwords are what we focus on, but but we'll remove those for now. If you just want to to, to try and make this harder, Uh, as you're typing on, for example, your your very soft keyboard. Um, That is a great way of doing this. The the more different types of keyboards we have out there, the more general these kinds of attacks would have to be to work successfully. So that's definitely one thing. And the other thing is just typing style. Um, Everyone will type slightly differently. We've proved that a a model like this can recognize the sounds from the keys, um, but those sounds might change depending on different ways people are typing uh, or who's typing and, and things like that.
4: So, Josh, I'm curious, what makes this doable because of AI? It seems like this would have been doable prior
2: to AI. Sure. So we're we're kind of not saying with this paper that AI is the only way of doing this. So there has been research on this topic in the past, quite a good amount of research, but it's very far apart. And so very few of the papers use the same approaches multiple times in a row. And we were the first paper to specifically look at laptop keyboards, and then apply AI models, deep learning models, uh, to the sounds that we were gathering. And machine learning had been used for this in the past, but maybe not to the same extent or the same focus or to the same level that we were using it here. And the main point that we got out of that is that, uh, yes, there have been great results in the past on this, uh, 91%, 93%, uh, but by using very much off-the-shelf kit with a limited amount of data, uh, we were able to surpass those accuracy measurements using deep learning. So it's it's kind of proving that, hey, deep learning is actually really good at this. All right. Joshua, thanks. Uh, thanks for the update. Kind of interesting. I'm going
3: to be very quiet because i got Melissa sitting right here. So. i got my phone next yeah, to Yeah, you, you do. I, why do you, I wonder. you stick what? it right next yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, did thanks. you ever <laughs> wonder why I hit the red button before uh, we start the yeah. show? I did. Well, you record most of what
1: I say. Anyway,
2: just in case.
4: Just in case from my
1: files. Yeah, exactly. And that's the pod for today and for the week. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis and password-stealing tips from our TV show right into your ears, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.
0: We are clear. Thanks, guys.